strong women, smart policy, solid theology, and no apology. You're listening to Women for America, a ministry of Concerned Women for America, the nation's largest public policy organization for women, bringing you biblical perspectives to today's most pressing issues. Here's your host, CEO and President, Penny Nates. As if men in women's swimsuits were bad enough, now we're seeing them in glitter, mile-high wigs, and rhinestones in the world of Irish dance. Yes, that's right. A few weeks ago, a 13-year-old boy was crowned the girls under 14 Southern Region champion at a major Irish dancing competition in Dallas, Texas. He will now head to the Irish Dancing World Championships, taking the spot of a young woman whose parents were in shock over the injustice, as we can fully understand. One of CWA's very own, our legislative strategist, Maggie McNeely, actually competed in adult Irish dance competition and can give us more details. She joins us today alongside Young Women for America Ambassador and NCAA athlete, Macy Petty, who has been fighting for fairness in women's sports and just returned from the National Volleyball Championships and can give us the latest on what's happening in college sports. So welcome, Macy, welcome back. And this is the first time we've had Maggie as yep. a guest. So uh, Maggie's here in our Washington office and uh, we see her now, but we learned when we hired her as one of our legislative strategists, she's mostly over on the Senate side, that she has skills that we weren't even aware of. She is, um, she's a competitor in Irish dance. So I'm going to go to you first, Maggie. Tell us a little bit about Irish dance and the difference between men's Irish dance and women's Irish dance. Sure. So Irish dance despite all of the glitter and the the wigs and everything we see in the modern world of Irish dance, it's very rooted in tradition. It's very much a celebration of the difference between men and women. Like mm -hmm. traditional Irish dance has a lot of like partner dancing. We call it Kaylee dancing where there's a man and a woman and they dance together. Um, but in the modern competitive style of Irish dance, men and women wear completely different shoes. We have um, hard shoes, which are what most people are familiar with yeah. in Irish dance, the one that makes sound. We also have soft shoes. And men's and women's soft shoes are completely different. You have the women who wear what are called gillies, which have laces that wrap around our feet. And the women's soft shoe dancing is very elegant. It's very feminine. It's sort of like the ballet of Irish dance. Mm. And then men's soft shoes, which are called real shoes, R-E-E-L, are sort of similar to jazz shoes, but they have a heel that makes noise. It's kind of like hard shoe. And it's very fast. It's very aggressive. It's very masculine. And so so the two different styles of Irish dance for men and women, it's, it's completely different in the competitive world. Oh my gosh, this makes me want to go watch Irish <laughs> dancing. I grew up in uh, the mountains in Eastern uh -huh. Kentucky and Tennessee, and we had something called clogging. Okay. And I do think they're related because a lot of the Scotch-Irish immigrated mm -hmm. to the mountains, to Appalachia, and that's our forerunners. I have I have a lot of Irish blood in my DNA because I actually did Ancestry.com, so I'm not, you know, <laughs> pulling Elizabeth Warren here and, and <laughs> falsely claiming my identity. But um, but I, I, I've often thought, gosh, I'd like to mm -hmm. learn to clog. Now at this point, what mm -hmm. a fun exercise thing. Yeah. So when did you start? And um, and you know, how long is I didn't really realize, I mean, you've seen the beautiful um Irish dancing. I've seen men and women mm -hmm. together. I have I knew nothing about the championship the the actual competition. 
Um, and has that been going on for a long time? So competitive Irish dance has existed since the early 1900s, but it really didn't come to America until mm -hmm. Riverdance mm -hmm. became right. um, a show in the early 90s. Like who hasn't parodied that, exactly. right? <laughs> <laughs> Among friends, I may have even pretended a little. <laughs> so then so when Riverdance came to the U.S., then it yeah. sort of exploded. And now yeah. it's something that's worldwide rather yeah. than just in Ireland. Well, and, we welcome that. And what a great, mm -hmm. I mean, it is a sport. I mean, dancers yeah. are athletes for sure. Um, and so, and what is, what have you achieved? Like what, because you, you've competed, like, right? So what's the highest honor that you've gotten in our scene? So the highest competition I've I've been at is, is nationals with a, a different organization. But that was back when I was a kid and had yeah. a lot of time to do all the training yes. that it requires. So how, and what was that training like? So when you are going, um, when you're trying to be the best and you're trying to go to one of these major competitions, these kids will spend 10, 11 hours in the studio every week. And then outside of the studio, they're either at the gym or they're running or they're doing whatever they need to do to improve their athletic ability and their dancing. So it's it's very intensive. It's just like any other sport. Yes. And uh, that all sounds familiar, doesn't it, Macy? I want to get to you in just a second. But yes, an athlete is an athlete is an athlete. And you the rigors of it. I mean, I'm just so I just so respect that. I respect the fact that these young men and women and kids, I mean, you know, you've got to be a certain kind of kid that wants to do this that mm -hmm. is and and i guess it would be the same this is not athletics but with piano or your these are very driven self-driven yeah. um kids and they have worked so hard the parents so tell us a little bit about what happened and i want to yes. take the perspective of the parents in just a minute yes yeah, so we first learned about this kid a few months ago because he used to compete as a boy and he actually went to the world championships last year and got 11th. So he's a very good dancer. So this isn't own. new. He's already kind of started exactly. working his way up. But he was competing as a boy before? He was before? competing as a boy. Okay. He was competing One as, year ago. Yes. Okay. Competing as a boy until about spring this year. Mm -hmm. And that's when he started entering into the girls categories. And this summer he changed his name and he started wearing the dresses and the wigs. And then at the Oroctus, this was his first major competition competing as a girl. This was in Dallas. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And shockingly, he cleaned up. And then he won. <laughs> yes. And, that, and we hear that story and over and over again. The parents now are uh, mm -hmm. obviously upset for right. right reasons. What are you hearing from, you know, parents talking about this now? A lot of it is the fundamental unfairness mm -hmm. of this because so much of Irish dance I mean, yes, there's the technical aspects. Yes, there's the the femininity versus the masculinity. But so much of it just comes down to power and strength and how fast you can move and how high your kicks are and how high your leaps in the air can be. And men just have a biological advantage mm -hmm. over women in that area. And actually, in Irish dance, it's interesting because even though at the major competitions like the, the Oroctus, we do compete in men and women's categories, at local competitions, we combine them just mm -hmm. so that there's enough numbers for, um, but they're still that. getting graded based on whatever the benchmarks are for women and men. Is yes. that how that is? Yes. But at those competitions, nine times out of the 10, men always beat the women. Yeah. So it's not a surprise. Oh, so they don't even cat But no. Okay. Interesting. Right. So it's not a surprise that right. this boy would beat all yeah. the girls at the Oroctus. Yes. Wow. Um, you know, I, I feel badly for everybody actually i feel badly for these parents and this mom particularly it seems like it's usually the mom right mm -hmm. that is like pushing for this kid to be recognized for being whatever the opposite opposite sex is 
It really does seem like it's usually the mom, which I don't know what that means. I need to think that, think about that a little bit psychologically, what's going on there. And maybe it's that women are, I think are more empathetic um, and we love our kids and we want what's best for them. But you've got a kid who is struggling, no doubt. And it makes him happy, makes him happy to get to compete as a girl, but it doesn't matter. It's, it, you know, I think Vivek Ramaswamy said it so well when he's talking about the tyranny of the minority. You've got one person that's, you know, you know, changing everything, um, disadvantaging young women, and we all just have to go along with it. Um, Macy, getting you in here, let's remind everybody of your story about playing volleyball, and then I want to go to injury in a few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, just I wanted to touch on what you just said about it. Usually being the moms who are uh, kind of encouraging this inclusive idea, which I think is true. But I think it's also interesting when you see the flip side of it. It's usually the dads who are really defensive of female athletes in particular when they see their daughters working their whole lives for these competitions. And then they see some man come in and, and take their spot. It's usually the men that. that I hear of. Who are who are pushing back against this inclusive message and 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 inserting mm-hmm. that protective mindset of like no this is my daughter I've I've watched her fight for this mm-hmm. for her whole life I'm not gonna let some boy steal that away thank um, so God for good dads and good men right so I mean how many so women true. do you I know grown women who would have just given anything for a dad that would have protected them and stood up for them and uh, I'm grateful that I had one of those dads and I'm extremely grateful that I married one of those dads and so anyway yes yeah but uh anyway back to back to basic fairness like you said it's it's just totally unfair even in things like dancing which isn't something I would have instinctively thought about but Mm -hmm. then once you're explaining you know they can jump higher and kick higher and they're faster and all those things it makes sense even in sports like dancing we need separate categories and and separate categories are the only way that we can preserve sports because we know that God designed our bodies differently and and typically in in relation to sports that gives men the advantage in how God created them because they are created to be the protectors and defenders. Um, so when you're, when you're equalizing that and, and putting them on the same equal playing field, then women are then compared with this, this, um, male standard, which we know is unfair and, and just never works out. Well, and it's so much so that in order to be more inclusive in our military, and I'm, I'm not, That's a whole nother program, but you know, they've had to change. They had to gender norm the standards for, uh, in the military for, you know, young men and women entering the military, because again, the women could not compete at the same level. Tell, tell them a little bit about your story in high school. What kind of got brought you to this moment? And uh, I should say that Macy is a superstar. She became a YWA leader and then right away was able, because you just are so talented and well-spoken and able to like testify before state legislatures and you've done a ton of media for us you write op-eds for us and um and it's just inc- been incredible to watch you find your voice and not just find your voice but take it on a national level but tell people your story well that is so kind thank you very much for that um but i 
did not have any desire to speak about this or get involved in politics whatsoever. Um, and so I'm really, really grateful for Concerned Women for America and the Young Women for America project, because without that, I, I never would have been able to speak out about this or have the voice uh, that I have today. And so I just want to say that I am so grateful for that. And I'm seeing it not just in my life, but in all these other Young Women for America ambassadors and chapter leaders, just Thank being you. able to see them mobilized and, and have their voice amplified the way that it is. It's so encouraging because our voices are so important and, and so often pushed down. Um, but I, I will say also, I never would have even been involved with Young Women for America if it weren't for the absolute undeniable hand of God moving me in that direction. So just for a little bit of my story, back in high school, I started competing in national club volleyball tournaments all across the country, trying to get recruited and show off some skills in front of college college scouts for a scholarship one day. That was a goal that I had had for most of my life. And so at one of these tournaments, I walked up to the court and there was a boy on the other team who was masquerading as a female and trying to get away with uh, participating in what was supposed to be a female only league. And like you said, I play volleyball and women's nets are over seven inches shorter than male nets. And so this athlete, not only with the biological advantages, was also playing on a net over seven inches shorter than he should have. And so he just wooed all the scouts and it was really embarrassing, but I didn't really think anything of it because I'm now a senior in college and this was back in high school. This was a long time ago. This wasn't a debate that was happening um, in basically all across the country. And so I just thought, you know, this is obviously cheating. Someone's going to put a stop to this, whatever. Um, and I was just so wrong. <laughs> I didn't realize that this was something that I even had to speak up about until I entered college and was asked to testify for the first time in South Carolina. And even then that was freshman year of, of college and they pushed it off. They didn't pass the bill. They said it was a non-issue. And I was so confused. I was like, what do you mean? You have a South Carolinian sitting right in front of you saying this happened to her. Um, but unfortunately, that's continued to happen. And like in North Carolina, they said the same thing. This is a non-issue. This isn't happening. And then a couple months later, Peyton McNabb has a severe head and neck injury from playing against a male athlete and it ended her volleyball career forever. And so I've just been able, because of the work of Concerned Women for America, be more and more involved in this fight um, and just have some incredible opportunities because of the way that the Lord was able to connect us and and give me the boldness to share my story because I know that's not easy for a lot of girls, but I can only credit that to the Lord. Well, I, and you are brave though, Macy. Not everybody would have been willing to step forward and lead like you have. Um, and, I, you know, only God knows, you know, what you've had to put up with in reaction, but um, to, to this, because not everybody loves you for telling the truth, but you have just been so brave and we're just grateful to be a part of your story. And that's what we try to do for our YWA leaders is help develop them and be a part of their story so they can lead. I mean, we really, I feel so strongly that maybe this is going to be my legacy at CWA. We started YWA right after I came back to work at, at CWA in 2011, because I looked around and realized there were all these leftist gender studies programs, billions of dollars being poured into college campuses and young women in order to force this gender ideology and, you know, all of this other, you know, nonsense, abortion ideology, all of it on them. And like, where are the 
conservatives. These beautiful young women need to find their voice. We need to help them lead, train them to lead, and then give them opportunity. And so this has just been for me. It's, I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful for you. And I'm grateful for you, Maggie, these young women. I don't know if I would have had the, that kind of courage. I went to Liberty University, so I didn't have to worry about it. But, you know, I went to public school and high school. And let me just tell you, it was sometimes lonely. And I did speak up, especially about abortion. But sometimes it's lonely. So let me just say to you, I just am very, very grateful for your willingness to lead and to follow, you know, what the Lord has given you to do, what this is your ministry. And we're incredibly proud. And I've met your wonderful parents. You have incredible parents, a great dad. And um, yeah, I just, I want to go back to that just a second. Um, it is essential that parents like speak up for these students because the parents don't want to either because they're afraid their daughters will lose their scholarships. But um, the problem is, you know, they're losing their races and their trophies and, and younger women are losing their scholarships now because they don't get to go to the next level of competition because the men are taking their spots. So, you know, we've all got to think about those coming up behind us. And, um, and I'm grateful for you and Riley Gaines and all the others, but you're right about Peyton McNabb was really injured, like is, is permanently perhaps injured. She's still not well. Um, and then we just had another similar incident, I believe in California. I don't know if you're aware of that, Macy. Do you know anything about that one? That case? I am. Yes, it, it's interesting. It almost mimics what happened in North Carolina with Peyton. And, and we're seeing, you know, obviously, um, Governor Newsom was reluctant to pass a girl sports bill like they were in North Carolina. And the same thing happened. They mm -hmm. didn't pass the bill and a girl ended up having her volleyball career ended forever because she had to play against a male athlete. And it's interesting in this story specifically, it was the dad that spoke up. The The girl understandably was still in high school, was still um, with all of her teammates. And so she was a little reluctant to speak out about it. But her dad anonymous, anonymously came out and he was like, look, this just happened in, in California. We need to have people on this. He went to the school board and the school board said there was nothing they could do. Um, and it was just a really sad story. And, and we're seeing this continue to happen. It's it's almost this pattern of a state's reluctant to pass a bill and then a girl gets hurt because of it. You know, I find shocking about this is when my kids were in high school. Now, my daughter's graduated from college and works on Capitol Hill now. And my son's still in um, college. He graduates in May. But when they were in high school, there was a lot of discussion. They were just really realizing the long lasting impact of concussions. And especially mm -hmm. multiple concussions. So we know now what that does to people, what it, it can impact their learning, their memory. I mean, all you know, all sorts of things. And again, it can be long, have long-term consequences. One of my daughter's uh, closest friends and later roommate was injured playing. I think she was playing, I don't know if it was volleyball. It could have been soccer. But anyway, she had a got a concussion. She got actually two. And she had horrific migraines all through college, she finally, finally, finally ended up, I mean, she was in a very dark place, she admitted later, like she just didn't know if she could take it anymore. She missed out a lot in college. She finally was, she was able to graduate. She's actually a social worker now, amazing Christian woman, but she had to have surgery. And um, they had to cut the nerves in her neck and thank God it works. They weren't even sure it was going to work because the neuropathways, you know, get used to a migraine or whatever it is. And it wants to continue that, you know, that 
pathway. So um, this is really serious. And so for the ones that are willing to come forward and tell what happens, you've got to know there's so many others that the pressure, you know, that that uh, they feel and the parents feel that they they don't speak up. Oh, absolutely. And and talking about concussions, we expect this kind of thing in football. Football, mm-hmm. there's concussions all the time, and that's a serious risk that parents have to assess before um letting their kids go out on that on that field because that's something they're probably, I would assume, scared of every time because it's so common in football. That never happens in volleyball. It is very rare to have a girl have us have such a severe career ending injury mm-hmm. from volleyball because you're separated by a net. The ball, the ball's pretty soft. I would get hit in the head all the time. I'll be honest, but it was like, okay, like, you know, that hurt. I have to pull my hair up again. And then we go mm-hmm. back on the court. But now we're seeing this, this new wave of injuries from Peyton all the way over to our, our friend in California of girls getting these severe injuries and the common denominator in all of them has been male participation. And so that should be raising some flags of like, this isn't just about scholarships and opportunities, but this is about safety and that this, these girls health, mm-hmm. like you said, is on the line because this is going to have lasting effects. Well, and I, I'm hearing from young women, my daughter played high school lacrosse in the Lacrosse for women and men is a totally different sport. I mean, it is very much contact for boys, not for girls, but you're still using sticks. And so now they're starting to have it to play against boys who are much more aggressive. And, um, you know, again, it's just becoming a problem. Can you talk to me a little bit about the event that you just did, um, Macy? You were with Icons and Women's Liberation Front. I mean, again, CWA is in these like interesting coalitions where we're willing to stand (laughs) with women and link arms where we can. And these left-right coalitions really matter because these more leftist women, um, the uh, self-identified radical feminist and some who are you know, bisexual or lesbians, like they are not okay with this. Tell us a little bit about what you all just did together. That you're exactly right. And it was so fun to, to just reach across the aisle because how often does that happen? You know, do mm-hmm. we never get to work with these organizations because we just have fundamentally different worldviews and values. But this is one thing that we could agree on and link arms and, and show a strong presence of like we stand with women and female athletes. And so there was a story that released, I believe, last week about the University of Washington uh, recruiting a male athlete and, and he had verbally committed to their female team. And so uh, this was, again, in volleyball, my sport. And last week was the NCAA Women's uh, Volleyball Championship. And so we just wanted to go and have a presence because the University of Washington is going to be in the Big Ten next year. So they'll be playing some of the best athletes. The uh, Nebraska is in the Big Ten and they were playing in the national championship. And so we know that they're under attack there. They would have to play against this athlete next year. And uh, so we just wanted to to have a presence and a just show solidarity with these female athletes and, and show them that there's people who are speaking up and who have their backs and be send a message to the NCAA and say that um, we're not going to be silent about this and that you need to change your rules because girl sports are for girls only. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I saw some video and some pictures of um, the other the women thanking you and the women athletes thanking you all. And I do think it just is so encouraging when, you know, we can be there in support and rally on behalf of women's sports. And I, again, and the parents like, you know, CWA and YWA was uh, outside the NCAA championship where Leah Thomas, who used to be Will Thomas, swam against Riley Gaines. And in yeah. fact, I don't, I can't remember what we did meet. Oh, no, no. It was Kylie Allons that we met there. Who's an NC state 31, uh, champion, um, swimmer 
who uh, sw did swim against uh, Leah Thomas there, but um, her story is a little bit different than Riley's. She did not want to be in the locker room with him, and she was going to be forced. She was forced. She would have been forced to share the locker room. She was in the locker room. She was so stressed out, and she's going to have the biggest event of her college career, her last, her senior year, that she took her and you know. Again, I didn't understand this, but putting on your suit is you, you have several on your warm up suit and, you know, different things. And then finally, your suit that you swim in is from your neck to your knees and takes be, uh, between 10 and 30 minutes to get in. So wow. she was so upset about this that she went and found a closet, a supply closet, and some of our teammates came with her. Again, this is all so backwards. It's completely crazy. Um, but anyway, I appreciate you standing strong. And Maggie, we're going to have to watch this a little bit more. And mm -hmm. I can't, you know, again, it's it's just the world has just is so backwards. I was just reading Isaiah 5. Um, I think it's 520 that basically says, woe unto you when you say evil's good and good's evil. When you say that, you know, light is dark and dark is light and sweet is sour and sour sweet, you know, it's bitter and woe in Isaiah means be careful. Like this is dangerous. And I feel like that is the verse for the day. But the reason I was looking it up, and this is a little bit off topic, but I've got two young women here with me with good families. And I'd love for you all to just, just comment. Um, ABC News dug up an old story from a German newspaper or something. I guess it was because there's video. So it was a German news group videoed our Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, um, and they put this old story out because it was <gasps> shocker. Mike Johnson, when his daughter was 13, took her to a purity ball and gave her a purity ring and encouraged her to be abstinent till marriage. I mean, I, I have to tell you, I was asking my husband about that. I said, I know you did. Um, I know you did a a purity basically ceremony. It was he was there at camp, and it was like a something they did at, at a father daughter camp, and um, and I think you did it with our son also. He's like, yes, absolutely. And he said, you know, there were numerous of those things, you know, going around. There's paperwork involved several times at different things that we were doing over the years. It was something that was done a lot during the uh, I think early to mid nineties and um and two thousands, I guess. Actually, I'm thinking about in the 2000s, but, um, you know, it's what the left doesn't understand and what non-believers don't understand. Fathers want to protect their daughters and their sons from making mistakes and for hurting their hearts or even their health. And particularly for young women, I mean, there's wolves out there. I mean, in a day when people actively share what their quote unquote body count is, when we have a society who are so um, welcoming and open about promiscuity, somehow that it's been the norm at this point and you have good dads that are that love their daughters and want to protect their daughters somehow we make that weird um and i'd love for you all to comment you know on this and just as a young woman i don't know did you all ever do purity balls or purity rings maybe you're too young for that <laughs> well, I, I saw that article and honestly, I wasn't surprised at all. Um, you know, mainstream media and the abortion industry and all of these other people, they prey on women not knowing their value and their dignity, and they're constantly mm -hmm. attacking that. And so strong fathers 
who are teaching their daughters about dignity and, and purity and all of these good things are such a threat to that. So I, I wasn't surprised at all when they wanted to attack Speaker Johnson and, and the values that he's teaching his daughter because, you know, she's probably going to grow up to be this strong fighter because her dad taught her about her worth and her dignity. Yes, um, so I think actually now she was only 13. This was like 2015. I think she may even be married now. You know, I was, he, I'm sure they didn't love their kids being drugged into the middle of this. He also was outed for having net nanny <laughs> on his son's computer and phone to, you know, make sure. And he, the kid knew it was on there to hold him accountable, make sure he wasn't looking at pornography. This is what good parents do when they're trying to be good, encouraging parents to keep their kids safe. And somehow it just blows my mind that we live in a society, as you said that, but boy, I like what you just said. I mean, it really, you know, cuts into if, if they're, if we're successful, it means that, you know, Planned Parenthood doesn't have customers for abortion, you know, how dare they, but you know, the thing is, it's not as if for what I, not one of those parents, if a child chooses not to live up to the standards, which are by the way, the biblical standards, I mean, it doesn't mean you don't love them. You love them every bit as much. It's just that we are laying out for our children what God's standards are for purity and what, and, and I'm sorry, it is what the, the biblical perspective on sexuality is that it's reserved for marriage. Not everybody lives up to that. We live in a society certainly now where it's less common, but it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be the goal. And by the way, the the out of wedlock pregnancy rates in our country, the fact that women, if they have a child out of wedlock, are more likely to live in poverty, um, is more difficult to complete your education. And so uh, there is absolutely, it is absolutely essential that strong dads try to Try to try to protect their daughters from the wolves that are out there. I don't know what you want that we're thinking. Yeah, about I that. mean, I mean, the biblical roadmap is not just a here are the rules God wants you to follow because He's God. It's also here's the roadmap for living a life of of thriving, of doing well. Um, and the fact that our culture has just totally eschewed that, and we're now celebrating things like like the scandal that happened in the mm. Hart Building this week. Oh yes, and- she's referring to the young man who chose to have um, gay sex. Mm. On the table, I think it was Amy Klobuchar's seat at the uh, in the Senate Hart Building, which is an iconic hearing room. I mean, I've sat in it many times for Supreme Court justices and so on. And so, yeah, and that's and, you know, a young man showing his fake boobs on, you know, on the White House lawn and on and on and on cocaine at the White House. I mean, I could go on about the scandals. And yet, what do they choose to dwell on? <gasps> Shocker. You know, the speaker tried to protect his 13 year old daughter. So here we are. <laughs> well, let me end with this. You guys have done an incredible job today. So uh, on our way out and we are here, we are with, you know, in this Christmas season, it's just, it is very joyful time, but we have our young women, I think are particularly striving, having to strive in a, a very difficult season in our culture. You're in your late twenties, I think thing you're 30 oh my gosh you don't seem like you're 30 and and macy's in her early 20s so um right are you 22 how old are you 21 21 all right i would love and i'm i'm catching you off guard but i would love if you have one little nugget of um advice to give to young girls in high school getting ready to college it could be about anything um dating or uh anything 
it, it could be anything. It could be a sports. It could be anything, anything that you would love to, to share that you wish someone had shared with to you in high school. You want me to start? Yeah. If you want to say, if you okay. got it, go. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think that that culture and society right now is just so full of confusion, even, even for Christians. Um, like we're, we're confused too, of everything, you know, is being deconstructed or whatever. And so we, we need to be so strong in, in truth and the word, um, because that'll answer all the questions for us, you know, whether it be dating, whether it be sports or our calling, whatever it is, if we're standing strong in, in truth and the word, um, then all those questions will be answered to us. So, So I think that that's kind of the magic answer here for all of those things and how you approach this confusion is, is building your foundation strong. And I think that that's something that I wish I would have uh, put a a stronger emphasis on early in my college career, because you're going out into the world and, and, you know, you, you have this life to build, you're, you're out on your own for the first time and you get to make a lot of decisions. So I think that the most important thing that you can do is building that routine and having it, having, getting in the word in the very beginning of the day and making sure that the rest of your day falls in line after that. And then that's the, mm-hmm. that's the non-negotiable part of your day um, because it's going to, it's just going to help so much as you ha- go through life and you go through, oh my gosh, the stress of exams or, or if you have a big game that day, um, just getting set at the beginning of the day, every day um, and making that the priority of your day. Mm, I love that. Getting your head on straight, beginning with your first thing in the morning. And that's true of any age. Um, and it's also, it, I think it's also a struggle at any age to like be, you know, yeah. be faithful with that. And and you're right, your day follows. And, you know, if you wonder what God thinks about something, <laughs> go look at his word. In fact, that is one of the things the speaker said that they've all been picking apart. He said, you're wondering what I believe about something? Look at the Bible and you'll understand. But it is the yardstick for truth. If you want to understand what is God's will, well, if it, if what you're weighing is in contradiction of the Bible, then it's not God's will for you. You know that much already. And of course, there's things that are deeper questions or, you know, incidental questions that you really need to pray about and put before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. But a lot of it's already spelled out. I love that. Maggie, what about you? Yeah, I, um, the, the, the buzz phrase on the left is to live your authentic self Mm -hmm. and you follow your heart and and do that sort of thing. And, And I would say that, um, yes, but you need to be unafraid to live the life that God has called you to live. Like your authentic self is not what you make up. It's not what you have to discover. It's, it's who God has created you to be. And our culture doesn't want you to do that. There's, there's a mold they want you to fill to, to follow. There's, there's a certain authentic self they want you to be, but you need to be who God has created you to be, to, to rest your life on the truth of his that never changes um, and to just ignore the culture. Just just be who who you are meant to be in, in God's eyes and mm. life will be fine. That's awesome. Well, that is our show for the day. We want to say Merry Christmas to everyone. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining in to Women for America. And um, I, I, if you have a young person in your life, send this, send this um, podcast to them and, uh, you know, be sure and follow us and like us, follow us on social media, more information on the key issues of the day at concernwomen.org. Thank you so much. See you after Christmas. Thanks for listening to this episode of Women for America. To keep up with the work that we're doing, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and head to our website, concernedwomen.org.